together lovely, if he's altogether worthy, if he's altogether worthy, if he's altogether wonderful, if he's altogether amazing, if he's altogether lovely, if he's altogether gracious, if he's altogether merciful, if he's altogether perfect, if he's altogether compassionate, if he's altogether and greatly to be praised in every way. Lift up your hands and worship an awesome God in this place of freedom. Hallelujah. There is no one, there is no one as lovely as he is. Oh, you are great and greatly to be praised, Daddy. Hallelujah to who you are. You are perfect in every way. and matchless in every way. There is none like our God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's just give a, a wonderful free shout in here whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Can we just yes. give God a good shout in this place today? Hallelujah. Now, Father, as we move towards week two of our Connect 40 campaign, Father. We focus this week on really walking in the freedom that you've already provided for us in Christ. And so, Father, even though there are two individuals standing here today, we'll minister as one, Father. You've anointed us today to deliver your word. You've anointed them to receive your word. And, Father, that yoke-removing, burden-destroying power of God will be present in this room. And not one person will walk out the same way that they came in. And Father, we'll give you all the glory for all the good that will come out of this service. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Would you all do me a favor? This is a friendly church. Just love on two or three people. Tell them God bless you. Let them know that it's so good to see you. Then you can be seated. Praise God. I just want to encourage you all. We're coming out of week one and really discovering the promises of God. And we just had a great week last week, a great week of prayer uh, on last Saturday. This past Saturday, we had another uh, just dynamic uh, morning of prayer. And I want to share two testimonies with you. And depending on where your faith is, just I'll share the third one at the end if we have time. But we had a, a member of ours receive a car on last week, debt-free. <laughs> Praise God. Come on, somebody ought to give God a little bit more. Prayer. Then that member turned around and said, well, since someone blessed me with a car for free, I own my car, so I want to bless someone else with a car. 
And so, so we went to a Bible study, which we turned into a small group on Thursday night, which was a real blessing. There's a testimony from that. Uh, if we have time at the end, we'll share. And then someone on Thursday night received a car debt-free. So I don't know when the last time or if I've ever seen two people in one week get a car for free. Somebody ought to rejoice and give God glory for that. And it's just like God that it would happen on the week that we're focusing on the promises of God. And so it's not too late for you to get involved. You can go online at our website, connect40.linkedupchurch.com. Follow along with the devotionals. Uh, be a part of small groups. Uh, come to prayer on Saturday morning. Just really focus for the next 40 days. Give God something that you know you don't need in your life. I mean, we all have something we can leave at the altar, right? And just really look to allow God to bring some real change in your life. And this week, we're going to focus on really freedom that's in Christ. Go with us to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. When you get there, say amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And we're going to look at that as an opening text. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. First two words there, it says, stand fast. That literal Greek word there for stand fast literally means to maintain a stationary position. Or in other words, stay put. It says, stand fast therewith in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage or yoke of slavery. This word yoke here means coupling. It means the joining of two individuals or two things. It's, it's talking about the beam of a balance, the connecting of scales. So when you think about what Christ is saying here, he's saying stand fast in the freedom. In other words, park there. Make that your home. Has God delivered anyone from anything in this building? So I want you to think about what he's saying. Don't go back to what he's already delivered you from. And then shift your thinking a little bit. See, a lot of times, if you look at the word yoke there, it means coupling. A lot of times, we have to go back to people and places to return back to behaviors. Yep, that is good. And it's almost like, you know, I hear God has delivered me from this bad relationship. I didn't say marriage. Because all marriages can be fixed. But here God's delivered me from this bad relationship. And then what he's talking about here is don't return back to that bondage. Because it's usually going to be people and places, right? And so he's saying stand fast. In other words, park. Stay in the place of freedom that I've placed you in. Here's the other thing. There's nothing that you're dealing with right now that Christ has not already made you free from. That's right. Right? And we're going to talk about what that looks like today. Well, we're going to start off basically how to live life, a life of freedom in Christ. How do I live this life of freedom in Christ? We sing the songs, we lift our hands, we can proclaim and rejoice and jump up and down and scream and shout that I am free in him. But then Monday comes. And, you know, my mama told me there's always one person at work that's just going to work your nerves. And we fall into some bondage and some, some, some shackles of what could be, what should, if, if this was in 2003 type of mindsets. So how do I become free or how do I live a life of freedom in Christ? Number one, focus 
on God. Focus on God. If that's all you're focusing on and you're not focusing on who's disrespecting you, you're not focusing on the guilt and shame of yesterday, you're not focusing on where I came from, you're not focusing on the news, hello. When your focus is on God, it's a lot easier to live a life of freedom because you, you start realizing and yielding to the fact that he has my world in his hands. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. God has promised us that we could have freedom from the slavery mindset that once kept us in bondage. There's no greater bondage. There's no greater slavery. There's no greater oppression. There's no greater depression than that of the mind. I know people in wheelchairs. I know people in prison. I know people that are bound to to homes. And they are just as free as anybody out there. Their creativity, their mindset, their liberty of speech, their, 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 just all everything about them is just free because their mind is free. They've yielded themselves to the spirit of the living God. Hello. And when you yield yourself to the spirit, the spirit of the living God, in living there's production. In living there's advancement. In living there is growth. I heard a great person, someone tell me one time, leaders are readers. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, I'm going to read it to you from, well, I'm going to start at 1. I'm going to start at 1. Am I moving too much? And I'm going to read to you from the Message Bible because, you know, you always want to study from the King James Version. But it's good to reference the ghetto version sometimes. So I'm going to read to you what the message version says of this. This is an interpretation, not a translation. You all understand the difference, right? Now, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, and your walking around in life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted. Here's the key right here. Here's the verse two. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops a well-formed maturity in you. When you become saved, he wants us to repent. And when we repent, all that means is making a 180-degree change, not of what so much of what we did and everything else, but he wants us to change our thinking. There's an instant spiritual renewal that says, I need to change. But if we don't connect it to our renewing of the mind, it's very easy for us to default to old carnal and fleshly behaviors. 
Spirit is convicting us every single day. Spirit is saying, you know that's wrong. Spirit is saying, don't go there. Spirit is saying, don't do that. Spirit is saying, don't say that. Spirit is saying all this stuff. And we do it because we haven't renewed our mind as to what we're supposed to do. I have this conversation over and over and over again. Because we don't renew our mind, we get convicted and so fixed up on what we're not supposed to be doing that we live this life of shame and guilt. But God's not like that. God says, just focus on what you should be doing, right. and everything else will fall by the wayside. That's good. And you can't focus on what you should be doing if you don't spend time here. That's good. That's good. That's good. If you don't spend time here. So on that first one, focusing on God, the first one you should do as far as the action steps are concerned is focus on renewing your mind. Change your thinking. Trash. Put it into the, the garbage disposal. Put in wherever you need. Put it into the lake of for, uh, for forgetfulness. <laughs> That's stinking thinking. It's yeah. excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And then the next one, letter B here under the action steps. She talked about renew your mind. Next thing you need to do is set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3, and let's read verse 1 and 2. Set your mind on things above. The word set means to fix, right? To, to really make a, a point to say this is the way I'm going to think, and this is what I'm going to focus on today. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, and then he's real clear, not on things on the earth. Because notice the behavior is going to follow whatever I'm fixed on. The Message Bible reads it this way. If you're so serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Isn't that good? Yes. Right? Because the proof is in the pudding, right? Don't, don't talk about it. You all know the rest. Be about Be it. Be about it, right? And so think about it. If we're serious about living a resurrected life, listen what the Message Bible says. Act like it. Well, what does act like it look like? Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is, and I love this. See things from his perspective. Now, if you think about anything else, you know, the, the best example of this that I can use, you know, I'm raising two teenagers, and notice what he said. Set your affections on where, where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. But how I many you know when we became born again, we were raised up with him? Right, So we're no longer the way spiritually we used to be. The difference is what she described. Spiritually, we're alert. I mean, if we don't bring our mind along with us, then it's that thinking that's going to take us right back to those past behaviors. And the best way I can describe this, you know, there's a song. I think it's, I'm way up, I feel blessed. And you hear this song. It's on football games, all kind of different things. Really popular song. I have two teenagers, and it's amazing how the world kind of gets this in theory. And they make songs about it, but in reality, we're the ones that's way up. And yes. the difference is we don't feel blessed, we are blessed. 
There are two examples I'm thinking about illustrations, and I'll age myself with the first one. I grew up, and there was a show called The Beverly Hillbillies. Now, you know, even though they struck oil on their land, was a man and they came you. into a whole lot of money, and they moved to Beverly Hills, how I many you know the thinking was still in the country? Right? And they brought the chickens with them. Come on, somebody. They brought the goats with them. How I many know you don't have goats running around the front yard of a mansion in Beverly Hills? They bought the moonshine they distillery. They brought the moonshine distillery. I'm thinking about Jethro. He wouldn't go buy a real belt. He still had the rope belt tied around his... Right? They're riding around. Instead of getting a Bentley or, or a rope, they're riding around in buggies. Come on, somebody. What happened? They got elevated, but they, their thinking stayed the same. And so I want you to think about that. Even though the moment you became born again, he brought you way up. But your life won't match that until your thinking focuses on what he made you. That's Other good. example that I can think of that is more relevant, and I won't mention a name, but there was a professional football player who received a $100 million contract. But I mean, no, his thinking didn't change. And so he said it out of his own mouth. We grew up in neighborhoods where all we did was dog fighting. And so think about it. If I get millions of dollars, whatever my thinking is, I'm just getting ready to do more of it. So now we can build the largest dog fighting. Come on, somebody. And it was the thinking that cost him millions of dollars. So even though the contract brought him way up, his thinking brought him way back down. And this is, folks, if we don't set our minds, if we don't make a decision every single day. I mean, before I got saved, I wasn't faithful to females. So, I mean, the seed of that is always present. So, if I don't wake up every day and and set my thinking on this is my wife, the woman of my covenant. Come on, somebody. And this is the only one that I want to be with and will be with for the rest of my life. And I start focusing and fixing my thinking on something else. I mean, it's going to ruin what God has blessed me with. And we can take this principle across any area of our lives. If you have children, how many know they wake up fixed on their cell phones? Like mummies, they wake up and go right to the charging station. Snapchat, whatever it is that they're on. And then they're fixed on video games or whatever it is that they're into or their, their laptops. And I mean, it's our job as parents to make sure they stay fixed on those school books. And they stay fixed on God and they stay fixed on getting their lives together. But if you don't set that mind, the thinking will bring you right back down. See, the experience is an inspiration and an introduction to the need for growth and change. A lot of times we think the experience of salvation, which is a real experience, is going to instantly change us when we say, Jesus, come into my heart, save me now, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. The experience is an introduction. It's an inspiration to change. Marriage, I vow to live my life with you and commit to you until death do us part and sickness and health. The experience of marriage is an inspiration and an introduction, but we still have to change. It does not make the change. The experience does not make the change. That's excellent. So a lot of people think that when I get married, everything's going to be better. No. Not if my thinking didn't change. Not if thinking didn't change. So I want you to think about a lot of guys think that when I get married, I'm going to stop cheating. How? 
See, that's the question. How? Because the thinking never changed. You just had the experience of getting married. And check this out. Check the focus. Now the focus becomes don't cheat instead of the focus being enjoy my marriage. Saying, how can I enjoy my marriage if all I'm focused on is trying to stay away from these girls? Focusing on God. Let her see. Let her see. Get yourself dressed right. Put the right clothes on daily. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And while you're turning to Colossians chapter 3, yesterday morning, after prayer, which was dynamic, it if really you missed was. it, you missed it. it but really it was, was a great time of prayer. It really was. And then afterwards, we went and exercised the body a little bit, and we went up that dog on Mount Kennesaw. <laughs> now, I had already swam hard on Thursday, went to a barbell class on Friday. Then I decided I was going to take this mountain, which I had not been on in three years or more. <laughs> so I was inspired. I was motivated. And I also had in mind on Friday night about what I was going to wear on Sunday. It wasn't this. <laughs> because, see, what had happened was, <laughs> after that mountain, this spoke to me. <laughs> the heels that I was going to wear, I couldn't wear after that experience. The dress I was going to wear, I couldn't wear after that experience. I wouldn't be able to stand here. I'd be like this the whole time. But, but let me say this, babe. I appreciate you taking care of my body. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, I verses 12. I might give 12. you a little massage later yeah. on. Yeah. You know, depending on how you're feeling. Yeah. Just check the temperature a little bit later yeah. on. Yeah. Let's see. Stay with the message. Stay with the message. 16 minutes on the clock. That's you. That's you. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Again, I'm going to read. I'm going to first read from the New King James Version. Then I'm going to size it up a little bit in the message version. But the New King James says, therefore, as the elect, chosen. the chosen ones, the called out ones of God, yeah. holy. He says that you are holy. Yes. And he said that you are beloved. He puts this on you. He didn't say, because you did this, you are holy. And because you did this, you are beloved. He says, you are the elect. How many of you are in Christ? How many of you are Christians? How many of you believe you are the elect of God? Well, with that, he says, you are holy, clean, unscathed, set apart, sanctified. Regardless of what you did. Or what's on your mind right now? Because you have having flashes right now of what you did that might not qualify you. <laughs> he overrode that and said, you are holy. Yes. And he said, you are beloved. Mm -hmm. But then he tells us, get dressed. Put on the tender mercies of God. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above these things, he says, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You'll find these same descriptions, these same fruits in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. So this is what the message version says, just to make it plain for you. So, chosen ones by God, for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. Isn't that good? That's good. So once you have this experience with God, just like I had that experience with Kennesaw Mountain, (laughs) you can't dress like you used to dress. You can't put on offense. You can't put on guilt. You can't put on shame. Can't put on a bad you can't attitude. put on a bad attitude. You can't put on deficiency. You can't put on low self-esteem. You can't put that on. Instead, he says, put on what God has picked out for you. You can put on compassion. You can put on kindness. That means being useful. Not being nice, but being kind. That's good. In other words, I love you enough to tell you the truth and love with honor, respect, and dignity so that you can grow. He says, put on humility. That's power in control. Mm -hmm. Power in control. I know more. I can do more. I'm stronger than most. I'm able than most. I might think that about myself, but yet because I'm in Christ, I put myself lower than others so that I can focus on esteeming that person so that we could war this war together. Put on quiet strength, discipline, quiet strength. It says that's meekness is what your version says. It's not weakness. It's meekness. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to women. I don't have to do everything in 18 hours. It's okay to ask for help. Put on discipline. Be even-tempered. Self-control, he says. Be content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and as completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. That's good. Never be without it. Inside the King James Version says, if anyone has a complaint against another... He talks about forgiving. So in other words, those people that I mentioned that might get on your nerves, that might work you a little bit, guess what you have to do every single experience and encounter that you have with them? Go and say it. Say it out your mouth. (laughs) Forgive them and have compassion on them. Amen? Amen. Now, number two. Number two is the freedom to live on purpose. The freedom to live on purpose. And guess what? When you live on purpose, you also have to live in purpose. That's right. You also have to live in purpose. Turn right back to me to Ro- with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And this is, you know, I, re- I, re- I, I do this so often. Romans chapter 12 is basically one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. But this is what he says. I beseech you. That, well, let me read from the message because it's so good. He says, here's what you, I want you to do. I read it already. Helping you take your everyday ordinary, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around in life, and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you as the, is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you. So this is, again, talking about your thinking. But... 
Let me skip on down here for, to verse 3. I'm speaking to you out of a deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you not, do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. When you serve, when you give, when you walk in your gifts and talents, you ain't doing nothing special for God. All you're doing is walking out the special things that God has done for you. That's good. That's good. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are doing or what we have done for him. Verse 6, verse 4. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Catch this. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Mm -hmm. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped-off figure or as a cut-off toe, we don't amount to much, do we? So, since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were meant to be without enviously or pridely comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we weren't made to be. That's good. Verse 6, if you preach, then preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. That's good. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. Mm. If, you put on, if you're put in charge, don't manipulate people. Uh-huh. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. That's good. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourselves get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. That's good. Now, Romans chapter 6 through 8 basically talks about the seven motivational gifts in purpose. And we'll talk about, because we have a whole section that's segmented out talking about purpose, which is one of my passions. And of those seven motivational gifts is a description of how you may be wired. And how many of you know we're all wired differently? There are certain things that just get our goat that we're passionate about. Right. And so many people come to us saying that I don't have my, I don't know my purpose. Your purpose is not your job. You fulfill your job. You fulfill your purpose in your job. That's good. Your purpose doesn't have to equal a paycheck. There are people that's passionate about giving. They love to give. And because they're, they're givers, they, they, which is one of the motivational gifts, they constantly give. There's a law on the earth that says if you give, then you will receive. That's right. Givers tend to be rich. That's right. They do. I don't care who it is. If it, it, it is not a qualifier. Non-Christians that are major givers are rich. It's a law on the earth. So when you're talking about purpose... And walking in your purpose, you have to know what you are passionate about and what motivates you to go ahead and walk in it. That's good. That's good. It's so far beyond this paycheck, this job, or calling. We spiritualize it with calling. It's how you wire it, which means you have to be honest with who you are. And I love that he says right here in the message, can't get caught up in comparing yourselves to other people. That's right. You know, right around 45, 50, 55, people go through what's called mid-age crisis. That's when they start looking at their peers, and they start comparing themselves, and they start saying, I'm not where I thought I should be at this age. That's a, that's a, that's a trap. That's a trap. But it's also a checkpoint. So that if you're not, okay, 
if you had a plan and you thought you'd be X amount of places or doing something at this point, let it be measured by who you are and not by the num amount of money you make mm -hmm. or the position you hold mm -hmm. or the letters behind your name. Mm -hmm. oh, that's excellent. And it's interesting at the top, I, I just, you know, just pull it out. When you talk about the motivational gifts in verses 6 through 8, way back to the beginning, it says the first thing you got to do is present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. Lay your body on the altar. Your body's supposed to be dead. I don't even know what to do right here. I'm just lost right here. I what? You threw me off guard with that one right there. That's a live illustration right there. <laughs> But I want you all to understand, if you don't make a decision about your body, you can never discover the will of God for your life. Mm -hmm. How many people have allowed their body to keep them out of the will of God for their life? So he said, you've got to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Listen, And that's your reasonable. That's the least you could do. Then he talks about what to do with your mind. So according to God, if you'll dedicate your body and renew your mind, you'll discover your purpose. Mm -hmm. God just gave me that. Somebody ought to write that down. <laughs> if you'll dedicate your body and renew your mind, you'll discover your purpose. That's right. That's good. That's real good. All right. Three action steps up underneath point number two, living or freedom to live on purpose. You know that you've matured and you've grown in the things of God when you have a desire to help others live their new life of freedom. One of the surefire signs that you're free is you want to help someone else get free. That's you, right. you get out of what's called selfishness. You get out of just thinking about you, and you're like, no, the same way God lifted me out of my situation, I'm interested in helping other people get lifted out of their situation. And that's ministry. Yeah, that's ministry. And so you've got to get to a place where, you know what, God, thank you for what you've done for me, but now use me to do this for somebody else. Letter B, then you've got to help them discover their purpose. The same way you figured yours out, found it out, then you help other people discover theirs. And then letter C, connect them to the local church, small group, or dream team. Folks, attending church is not being the church. At some point, once I say I'm a member, then I've got to figure out, then what is my role in helping this church fulfill its mission? And how many people can I bring to help them experience the same change that I received? And then what does that look like? At some point, we've got to get out of these chairs and we've got to get involved, right? And the two ways that we give you the greatest opportunity to really live in your purpose is through what we call small groups and dream teams. So pray about it. Pray about saying, God, you've been so good to me. Now help me take what you've done for me and give it to other people. Our clock is running. Number three today. How many know we have a freedom to praise God? Yes. I said, how many of you know we have Hallelujah. a freedom to praise God? I believe church should be one of the freest places in the world. We have a freedom to praise God. Go to Philippians chapter 4, and let's read verses 4 through 7. Just to save time, I'm going to read out of the Message Bible again. We know that in the King James it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he yes. said, just in case you didn't get it the first time, he said, and rejoice. again, I say rejoice. 
The Message Bible says, celebrate God all day, every day. I like that, all day Jesus. Has God been good to anyone in this building? Come on, why don't you use your freedom right now to just give him the praise and glory that's due unto his name? Come on, I mean, don't pity Pat either. Come on, use your freedom right now to just let God know that he's been good to you. He is awesome. It goes on to say, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Message Bible says it this way, and I love to make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them to see that the master is about to arrive and he might come at any minute. Isn't that a wonderful Christian life if we can make everyone believe that we're for them and not against them? Even the people that we don't like. Imagine if they could feel like this person is really trying to help me after what I did to them. That's a Christian life. Yes. And remind them that, you know what, this earth is fading. I don't know if you all are watching the news. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. But I thank God that that police officer was at least charged in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Let's rejoice about that. Let's give God glory for that. I thank God. That's progress. That they didn't let that drag out and get worse in that situation. But thank God for that. Amen. Thank God for that. Somebody thank God for that. I thank God for that. And charged with manslaughter, too, I believe. So we thank God for that. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. I love this. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Message Bible says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worry and pray, let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer. So notice, when you start worrying, if you'll just turn that into praising, the praising will turn into praying. Yes, yes. Isn't that That's good? right. That's right. Before you know it, You'll sense God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of our lives. And then 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9, I love what the Message Bible says. And this right here, I, I don't need to add too much to this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9 in the Message, he says, what a God we have. <laughs> And how fortunate are we to have him, this father of ours and of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. In other words, our perspective, our limits are so far beyond this earth. He says here, and the future starts now. Yes. God is keeping a careful watch over us and our future. The day is coming when you will have it all, a life healed and a life whole. In other words, regardless of what this world brings your way, there's a day coming where all tears are stopped, yes. where all pain is gone. Yes. You, I mean, we, we have that now in earth, but with the blessing comes what? Persecution. Persecution. But we have this hope beyond that right. that gives us life peaceful and joyful. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime, pure gold put in the fire comes out to be pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out to be proven and genuine. 
It's easy to say what I believe, but when we have to actually believe, that's where the, the truth hits, hits right? Mm-hmm. And then he goes on saying, when Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. That's good. You never saw him, but you love him. You still don't see him, but you trust him with laughter and singing because you kept on believing. You'll get what you're looking for and what you're lo- looking forward to. Total, complete salvation. That's good news. Yes, it when is. we have the freedom to praise him, we say, you know what, God? I know what you brought me through. I am know what you're taking me to. Mm-hmm. And I can rejoice and be thankful in that. Mm-hmm. When you can just anticipate and when you can imagine what God has yet in store for you instead of the problems and what they could mount to. When you focus on what God has yet to do for you and what he's promised you and what you, what you know to be true in his word, it's easy to say thank you. Yeah. And it's your faith that says, thank you. It's your faith that says, I receive it. It's your faith that puts you in position to receive all those promises that we've talked about. And we have, when we have that revelation, and when we're in this place of rejoicing, we're in this place of thankfulness, we're in this place of praise, all that other stuff becomes very minuscule. You know, I'm seeing something here, baby, as you were reading that. I'm seeing something here in the New King James Version. In verse 5, it says, those who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So notice, we're kept by the power of God as long as we stay in faith. That's right. So as long as we keep believing, then how many know he has enough power to keep us? Then look at what it goes on to say here in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. This blew me away. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold. So notice the trials come to see how sincere you are in, in your, your believing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that good? So it's not even personal against you. The trial comes to test the sincerity of what you believe. Now, this is what I love here. So then how do we know whether or not we're sincere? It said, in this, you greatly rejoice. Yes. If though now be for a little while, you are grieved by various trials. I love that for a little while. I mean, weeping may endure for a night. But joy. But joy is coming in the morning. Come on, somebody. But joy comes in the morning. One of the greatest ways to determine the sincerity of what you believe is how you can respond while you're going through. Anyone in here going through something right now, just grieved by a few trials going on in your life? Anyone in here right now? I'm getting ready to give you an opportunity to prove your sincerity, okay? Anyone in here? Stand up on your feet if you're just being challenged right now, grieved by various different tests and trials going on in your life. Hallelujah! Come on, if you want to prove the sincerity of what you're believing God for right now, let let me see if you can give him glory right now. In the we midst of what you're going you. through. You are greater than all things. Hallelujah. Come on, come on. God is watching right now. My world come is on, in give your him glory hands. right in the midst of it right now. I thank you for the now. victory. You've made me more than a conqueror. Come you on, give God I'll glory. Come on, come on. You already, you already have the victory, I so go ahead you, and Father, talk it up. That you come come on, called me to glory be a water walker. 
Hallelujah. So Hallelujah. I rejoice in the victory that's in you. And I rest in peace. Now, for all of us that are not going through nothing, let's stand on our feet and rejoice with them. Yes. Come on, let's rejoice with them. All of us that are not going through anything. Come on, let's rejoice with them now. Now, let's everyone in the room just rejoice and give God glory for the victory and the freedom that he's already provided for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the victory well in advance. Now, let me give you these three action points and we'll close. Don't be seated yet. Just stay on your feet. Let me give you these three action points and then we'll close today. If you didn't learn anything from that last one, remember that a test is going to come to try the sincerity sincerity of what you believe. And the scripture says how to handle that, though for a season, if you're in tremendous trials, that's the time. Notice it didn't say to just rejoice. That's the time to greatly rejoice. And this is what I believe. You're always going to rejoice at the level that you truly believe. So if you see a big deliverance, how many know you're going to rejoice big? If you don't see anything big, then it's going to be not sincere. Hallelujah. Now, here we go again. One of these services, uh, emotionalism. Let me tell you something. It's not emotional to the devil. That's true. That's true. It's real to him. Let me and add he, this. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Let me add this. Understand the difference. I just sense that this needs to be said. Understand there's a difference between test and trial and temptation. Mm-hmm. God tempts no man with That's right. sin. That's right. We're supposed to step. We're free from that. We're That's supposed right. to step in that, rub it in the ground, and walk away from that. But the test is supposed to elevate us in our faith. Mm. So when you come out on the other side, you're like, you know what? I didn't even realize I went through something. Then you'll be like David. You know what? I already beat a lion and a bear. Who is this, this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine? Be no and what he going to do? Come on, somebody. Come on. I already paid off $5,000 worth of debt before. What's 10, 15, 20? Come on, somebody. What, what, what's $50,000 worth of debt to God? Come on, somebody. And it's going to give you confidence at each level. I believe we built you up a little bit more. If, I'm, if you're going through something right now, rejoice at the level of the victory that you believe is on Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's a Thank whole lot you, better Father. right there. You are That's awesome a whole in every way. lot better right there. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You're just make the devil victory, mad Father. in this place. And I thank you. I magnify. You're Hallelujah. so good. Hallelujah. You're so good. Come on. I You're see so some free awesome people out there today. Hallelujah. Come on. I see free thank people out there grace. today. Free thank to praise God. Free thank from sickness. Free from disease. Free from lack. Free from poverty. Come on. Free from bondage. Come on, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Three quick action steps, okay? And they should go up on the screen. Three quick action steps. Die daily to your selfish desires. How many know every day my flesh wants to go the opposite of my spirit? Every day. Make a decision to die daily to your selfish desires. Wake up and say, you know what? Today is not about me. This is about my husband. This is about my children. Come on, I'm going to make this about somebody else. 
Letter B, discover the joy of living for a larger purpose. Yes. You've got to get to a place where you say, even though I'm going through, let me help somebody else that's going through too. Yep. Some point you've got to say, you know what? I can't just throw a pity party for myself. While believing, let me go help somebody else. Best way to do that is dream teams and small groups. So let us see. Praise God in advance for the wonderful things he has in store for you. Yes, yes, yes. And listen to me. Your future is so bright. I remember I used to say this all the time. Your future is so bright that at nighttime, you've got to go to bed with sunglasses on. Come on. So you, you are shining. So I'm talking about it's so much good in your future that you can't even imagine. I'm telling you, I see you walking into debt freedom. I see you walking into homes that are paid for. Come on, somebody. I see you driving cars that you love. I see you helping people at a real high level. I see you serving at a, I see your business prospering. Come on. I see everything that you are touching. God is causing it to turn to gold. That is in your future. So get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just lift our hands and give God glory that we have true freedom in him. Father, we thank you that we're free, Father, free to love you, free to live right, free from sin, free from sickness, free from bondage, free from poverty. We are free from anything, Father, that does not come from you. And Father, we make a decision to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has already made us free. And Father, we thank you for that freedom today. And we make a decision to not return back to those old waste places, Father. To elevate our thinking to the level that you've brought us to. Because we're seated right now in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Father, help every person in here to be determined to raise their thinking to the level of where you've placed them. Help them to not see themselves where they're at, but see themselves where you've placed them. And then see everything from that perspective. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you're in this building today, just look up here at me for a moment. One of the greatest ways to elevate your thinking is first by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know that there's an answer to everything that's going on in your life, and it's in Jesus. So if you've never made him the Lord of your life, you want to accept him today as your Savior, we want to pray for you today. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm already born again. But I allowed my thinking to take me back to places I know I've had.